You can be seated this morning. We'll all have to get used to this new mic today. Amen. You know, it's just hard to change. How many finds it's hard to change? Brother Mike, good to see you and your family up this morning. Brother Billy, good to see you up this morning. Now we'll get the rest of the boot heel up. Well, we'll be all right. Let's give them a three this morning. Amen. I left the boot heel, but the boot heel hadn't left me, I guess. Amen. There's something about the boot heel that you just can't shake off. I can't shake a swims out of there. So there must be something there to just... My mother and brother has been there for all their life. I think the longest trip they made was to Crothersville and back. That's eight miles. <laughs> we're looking at a subject this morning. We're going to get in the weeds this morning. Does the mic sound all right? It doesn't sound that good to me, so we'll, we'll figure it out. It's all right. Sound fine out there? Good. That's all that matters. We're going to kind of get in the weeds this morning because this message is designed or it, this purpose was to turn our hearts back to the faith of the fathers. The book of Acts said that Jesus, the heavens must retain Jesus now until the restitution of all things before he can come physically. Paul tells us that basically that which is perfect must come to restore all things. And that which is perfect, Brother Bram said, was the Word who was God. And we know that know in part and be, it shall be revealed in part. And there were seven parts that we know as the seven church ages. Seven angels, seven spirits, seven parts. If that which is perfect has come, which is basically the Logos or God Himself then basically all the parts have been fulfilled. We're in the seventh church age. We spiritually have moved. Now, I know it's a doctrine, but watch what I'm saying. We have spiritually moved into the seventh day, which is basically the millennium, spiritually speaking. Looking forward to the eighth day, which is back to eternity again. And Brother Brown said, potentially you are already there. Then if the presence of God is here and the church age is finished and every part has been fulfilled, then there's nothing else coming to give people, not of this hour, a confession to get in. Every age had its confession to get into the body. So if the fullness has come and God Himself is here, what confession then is people waiting on to get them to another realm when there's not another stage coming? We were to be returned back to the original confession of the fathers to confirm that we're in. Because there has to be a voice come forth with a confirmation and a confession of faith to fulfill the second part of the, I'm going to use the word presence, 
But when I use the word presence, we'll get into a little detail this morning. I keep going over it. I have for years because what people are preaching that they're looking for is already passed. I heard a minister this past week. I made reference to it. Uh, to be fair with him, I only listened to an hour of his sermon, and he hasn't got to his point yet. And I'll finish it up. But his subject is, where is Jesus? And he's looking for Jesus to come. Since they do not believe there's a physical Jesus, what Jesus are they looking for? He asked the question to the church, where is Jesus? And no one knew. Jesus Christ, the glorified man that God raised from the dead, is sitting on the Father's throne in heaven. Now that's where Jesus, our Lord, is. Now, they can't answer the question, and if Jesus is sitting on the Father's throne, then who is here with us, vindicating a prophet and a message, revealing himself to us? This is the mystery. This is the dilemma. The complete New Testament, if you look at it, I'll give you the words, and we'll try to get there. I know it's kind of boring if you don't want to know, but to make your revelation clear, the New Testament is about a specific presence of God. That uses the word coming. That we'll find does not speak of the literal, physical, glorified man coming at all. There's basically only three scriptures in the New Testament that speaks of the literal, physical Son of God returning. And if you apply those scriptures in a type or a form, you get to the word that the majority of the church is that there is no second coming of the Lord. There's only evolving of the church by revelation until the Scripture is fulfilled in the church. I believe that we have been restored back to the confession or the faith of the fathers. If you take that back to the book of Acts, of which most of them are preaching, they're looking at the signs and wonders that spoke of the presence of the Logos with the disciples. With the disciples having a unique revelation of the hour of which to be saved, they specified to the people that they had to have. The great revelation of this hour is there's only one true God and water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for remission of your sins. And we'll find that goes with that revelation, there is a resistance of organization or denominationalism that deny the revelation that the prophet brought forth of the Godhead, water baptism, and the presence of God Himself. So the one doctrine that most the message people and the world is against is against the perusia or the presence of Jesus Christ in the form of a pillar of fire. The Bible speaks of the coming of the Lord Jesus and is speaking and referring to this Logos or this pillar of fire, not the physical man Jesus. So when you hear ministries preaching that we're waiting for the coming of the Lord, then they either do not have a revelation of the Godhead or they don't understand what the Bible teaches one or the other. So what we're looking at is a specific confession 
that I believe the Bible teaches and the prophet taught that we must have coming out of our mouth to confirm our faith and to confirm the shout, which is the message of this hour, in the mouth of two witnesses, the prophet and now the church of the bride. Until the revelation comes out of the mouth of the bride to confirm the shout that come out of the mouth of a prophet, it is not established on earth in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So the bride must confirm out of her mouth what has been revealed by God Himself, the Holy Spirit here, God the Word. Or I could say God the Logos. God the pillar of fire. God in the form of this light. So this light is the mystery of the Bible. Because it starts out in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. In the New Testament, John starts out, in the beginning was the Word. Which is exactly the same as Genesis 1-1, in the beginning was God. Because God was the Word, and God is the Logos, and out of the beginning was God, or in the beginning God, in the beginning was the Logos. If you'll just skip the next line, which you say, well, you're taking away what we're really not, because it's in the beginning was God, and God is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word is God. So if you hold to the revelation, in the beginning was the, the Word, and the Word was God. That's what he's telling you. Out of this nothing or darkness, which I can't comprehend God just being dark, because Brother Ben said there was nothing there but darkness. I don't understand it being dark like black at night. To me, it meant God is alone, and there was nothing of Himself revealed to anyone. See, darkness is the lack of light, revelation. Don't let your eyes be dark. In other words, don't let your heart be dark. In other words, void of light, void of revelations. Since He wasn't even God in this form, there was nothing there to worship Him as God, or there was nothing there to have a revelation that He was God. So God birthed forth from Himself a light, just a little halo of light. Now people say, well, I believe the prophet. The prophet said, now you have two. Find me five preachers in this message that will say, now we have two. The prophet said, now we have two. But you do not have two gods. You have God now that's birthed forth a form of himself, a light. And the principle is God is in this light, reconciling the world or bringing himself known to the world because in the form of this light, which is Jesus, he created all things. Now the church world preached that God created Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, and the second person of the Godhead, God created everything else. God is the creator. Jesus did not create. God in Christ is what created. 
Now what we're trying to get you to see, if we can see Jesus, where he was a dual person at his water baptism. And we will accept that. Here comes the light. Now remember the forerunner John didn't say he's coming. The forerunner John said he's in our midst. And that, by the way, there he is. He's here. John the forerunner said he is here. Now if the angel was right. What, in 1933 at Ohio, your message shall forerun my second coming. As John forerun my first coming, so shall your message forerun my second coming. Now, which one is doing the speaking? The principle of all understanding of the New Testament to me is Psalms 110.1, The Lord said unto my Lord. As John forerun my first coming, so shall your message forerun my second coming. Is that the man Jesus, or is that the Logos that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm pleased to dwell? Which Lord are you talking about? You say, Well, that's a mystery. That's the mystery that has been cleared up to us that we can have a true confession in this hour of our faith. So that's what we're looking at is basically clarifying our picture. Of one true God and one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten, unique, one of a kind, Son of God. So let's look at some scripture this morning. We'll take our time, but we're getting into detail now because we're going back to the scriptures to show you where Brother Branham preached his message. Brother Branham did not use the Greek word. He did not stand up and tell you uh, the perusia of Christ. The epiphania of Christ. The ekro, the fanaru. He didn't use those words. He just said, here's the manifestation. Here's the presence. Here's the vindication. This is the unveiling. He used the Greek word meanings, not the Greek word themselves. So to understand Brother Branham clearly, you'd have to go back to the Scripture and see what the words actually meant to see if they agree with what he interpreted them to say. Because you got many, many people that are looking for William Branham to come back to give them a revelation that they're missing because they have to have something tangible in front of them, visible, literal, to obtain a revelation of the invisible God. I declare to you this morning that what they're looking for has already transpired. And the revelation that they think they need, we have. Who do you think that you are? I know who I am. I am a son of God. Born again with the Holy Spirit. And when you're born again and receive the Holy Spirit, you are a dual person. Now you think about this. When God come at the river Jordan upon the baptism of Jesus, He said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm pleased to dwell in. Then Jesus went forth and said, the deeds that I do, the words that I speak are not mine, but the Father that lives in me. Brother Brown made the statement that the disciples themselves didn't even know who 
which one was speaking, the Father or the Son, at any given time. He was a dual person. Now you have to accept that to be born again. Because when you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not some feeling out here, although there would be a feeling, I guess. But He's a person. So if you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you are a dual person. You say, well, I don't recognize that other person in there. Oh, yeah, you do. You just don't recognize which one or what it is. How do I know if my thinking is from God, or do, how do I know that I'm thinking the thoughts come from the devil, or my own thoughts? Which one? I love that answer. It's very unique, though. Well, if your thoughts are scriptural, they come from God. If your thoughts are not scriptural, they come from the devil. You don't have no thought coming. Now, that's staggering. Because the Spirit of God in you is your soul. And the mystery of the soul is, they shall not suffer my body to see corruption. So Jesus had his own body. He had his own personal spirit or spirit at his birth. And his soul went to hell. So he was body, spirit, and soul, a triune being, a man. Thou shalt not suffer my soul, or my body, my spirit. I've always asked the question then, who is the my? If I can say my soul, then who is the my that's claiming the soul? It's God. Now you think about this. This is where you're going to have to come to. If Jesus was the expression, and He was a dual person, then you and the Father, and the Father and I, and I and you, will come to where, when you see me, you see the Father. We must come to the revelation of Christ in me. The expectation of glory, or the glory is now revealed and veiled in me. That I in there is God. You said, how can you say that? Because God said, all souls are mine, saith the Lord. The souls that sinneth shall surely die. That is the souls that come out of the serpent through Eve that formed a separate race of people. Every soul that come out of Adam had the life of God in it, and not one will perish or one will be lost. Amen. Wonderful. But just think now, are we the sons of God? And it does not yet appear what we shall be. That was John 2,000 years ago, but we can say now we are the sons of God, and it has appeared what we are. But when He shall appear, now who is the He that's going to appear? Jesus the man? No. It's the Father. In the form of a light. When that light comes, there has to be a prophet here to reveal Him. So what you're looking at called the message is the arrival of the pillar of fire. 
and the sequence of events of what he will unfold and do while he's here until he leaves and takes the physical church or bride with him to meet the Lord at the marriage supper of the Lamb. What confuses us is the term Lord because it seems like there's two Lords. And when people hear the word Lord or two Lords, they automatically think you're saying there's two gods. There is not. There is one God and one master of the house, one Messiah, one unique predestinated son over the head of the family who will rule and reign as king in the millennium. And we will address him by his title that God gave him as Lord. So let's look at some scriptures here and see what we're trying to, uh, trying to say. In Philippians 2.11, I just picked out some little unique ones. So the New Testament saints had a specific confession. That confession was necessary to be accepted in the church for salvation. Like Paul said when he addressed uh, the women having short hair in the Corinthian church, they said, well, so-and-so, there's no contentions in the house of God. The church of Christ said, see, we don't argue about it. No, no, no. That's not what Paul's saying. He said, if there would be any contention or any other thing, we have no bobbed-haired women in our churches. That's the literal translation. He's not saying we don't fuss about it, it's all right. We don't have no contention. We don't debate the issue. We just don't have any short-haired women in the church. You want to get back to the presence of God? This is where you go. In Philippians 2.11, it says, and every tongue. Everybody's every tongue. Now, does that mean your tongue? If every tongue means every tongue, then everybody that's got a tongue... And can speak is required to do something. Now, if you don't have a tongue, I guess you can have sign language. But you're still communicating a specific revelation of faith. And the confession that you're confessing is the point of your salvation. And all your confession is what has been revealed to you by your soul. Who you are and what you are. So when people say, "Well, I, I don't know whether I, I, I'm born again. I, I don't know whether I, I'm see. I, I don't know whether I don't know whether." Then there's something wrong with the communication between your soul and your brain. Now, teaching comes from the outside source. I will agree that because faith comes by hearing. But basically, true revelation doesn't come by you hearing me tell you. I've said it over and over. It comes by you hearing yourself tell you. You hear your soul speak out of your mouth. You hear by your spirit, confirm with your soul with an amen, and that establishes you in the promise and the petition that you're claiming that you are and have from God. Now are we the sons of God. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, where did they get that? How come that every tongue had to confess that Jesus Christ was Lord? 
If you want to read the scripture, you go back to, what was it, Acts 2, verses 34 to 38, where Peter quoted Psalms 110.1. I've told you for 40 years that Psalms 110.1 is the key to understanding who Jesus is. He quotes Psalms 110.1, the Lord said unto my Lord, and he said, now this same Jesus whom you have crucified, you killed him. You can't kill God. God is a spirit. You killed a man. This same man that you crucified, God has raised up and made him both Lord and Messiah. Therefore, since he has been made your Lord and Messiah, you be baptized in his name. Not in the name of Jesus. Like Brother Branham said, there's a lot of Jesuses. Not in the name of Jesus Christ the Messiah. That's what he was when he was born. You're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because that title was given to him as the head of the family and you are accepting God's terms for your salvation. You must confess Jesus as Lord. You're not confessing Him as God. You're confessing His position as the head of the family. He is the king. He's the master of the house. He is the preeminent son. Now that's a revelation that the church world has not received as yet. But a few of us, come on now. And I call very elected few. Is willing to put on a. Trump hat, so to speak, and stand out and be reproached because you confess that there's two lords, and if you don't have that revelation, going to the water in the name of Jesus Christ won't do nothing for you. You take the revelation and faith to the water that Jesus is Lord. Not that He's one like your finger, not that He was His own Father, not that He evaporated, but God raised up a human body, void of blood, glorified it. And the soul of Jesus from the lower regions, he preached to the souls in prison, come back and picked that body up, walked out and revealed himself alive, ascended to heaven to be approved of the Father, come right back down and confirm that he had been accepted. Amen. Then after the day of Pentecost, they watched this same body ascend and received into a cloud of witnesses, which we'll speak here in just a minute. So you must confess Jesus Christ is Lord. If you go back and study the historical history of the church, when you went to the water, it was required of you in the water. Do you confess Jesus Christ as Lord? And upon a positive response, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I confess Him as my Lord. Upon that basis, we baptize you into the body or the spiritual revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a unique understanding now.
Lord Jesus Christ is the title given to a specific man, one man, one person, by whom you are saved when you confess and use His name as yours. Now, we can go through the name of Jesus and everything is done in the name, even water baptism. Out of that water baptism, I was saying this hour, water baptism should reveal to you the true understanding of Godhead. And if it doesn't, there's something wrong with your baptism, something wrong with your faith, there's something out of kelter. Romans 10, 9. Here's the Apostle Paul. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, that's not nodding your head. That's not saying silent Hail Marys. That's open your mouth and say, give me a piece of pie. That's open your mouth and say, present, I'm here. You go through the roll call, Gregory, here. Smith, here. Joan, here. And right down the line. Present, here, present. That's exactly what the word perusia means. Here, present, has nothing to do with somebody coming from a far distance. It speaks of someone who has already arrived that is here and is making himself known by what he does and works through a prophet. How many believes that the pillar of fire come down and made himself known to the church and Brother Bram called that God? Then if he had his picture taken, he had to be here. I don't know what's so hard to understand about that. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, here's the term again, the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Now you can't get any clearer than that. How many people you got there? Two. How many gods have you had in that scripture? One. How many lords do you have in that scripture? You have actually two. Because you got one Lord God and you got one Lord or Master called Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, Brother Gregory Breeze and two lords. Yes. According to the Scripture, that's true. But if you go especially by the Scripture, the proper term is one God and one Master. We'll get to it just in a few minutes. Watch. Romans 10.10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. I can say this. Now, with the soul that come out of Adam that come through Christ the seed of the woman, believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth. Everybody say, the mouth. Confession is made unto salvation. What confession? 
Confession that Jesus is Lord. Are you saved? Yes, sir. I believe Brother Brown was a prophet. Like he told you, that only means that you can read. And you got the church creeds and whatever more that we could give you a thousand of them. We got one out there on the board ourselves, what we confess. But there was a confession that had to come out of the mouth of the early church whereby people knew by their confession where they stood in the gospel. And it was very simple. One true God and one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I got in your notes there, our specific confession is that there is only one God, the Father. And that there is only one Lord Jesus Christ, the only unique, one-of-a-kind Son of God. I also reviewed this week and put the last paragraph of the confession we had last week, which was a lot of reading. How many read over at least one time? How many read over just one time? Two or three, maybe? One, two, three, three, four. I believe also that there is one God and one mediator between God and men. That's the man Christ Jesus. Now, how many, by that statement of Scripture, and I give you the Scripture, would kindly believe that Jesus was a man? Would that be so hard to believe, according to what you read right here, the man Christ Jesus, why it would be hard for you not to believe that He's a man? Then why are they saying that he was not a man? He was God. I, I don't know whether you're uh, open to what's going on out there in the world, in the message realm and in the church world, but this, this is what's all taking place. You and I are preached on most every Sunday in most pulpits because they think that you believe in two gods or that two Lord Perusia junk, they call it. Well, I'm going to make my stand just like Trump. If you don't have a revelation of the two lords according to Scripture, you are not properly baptized correctly, and you have not received the Holy Ghost. Now, that's just, I know it's blunt, but it's the truth. I'm not going to argue about it. You say, well, I don't believe that. That's fine with me. Not that I don't care, but what else am I going to do about it? My responsibility is to tell you what the Bible said. It's your responsibility to believe, accept, and do what, with it what you want. I believe that there is one God and one mediator between God and men. That's the man Christ Jesus. That since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. That through this man is preached for the forgiveness of sins. I believe that Christ will sit upon the throne of David, His throne in the millennium, until God, this is this Psalms 110.1 again now, until God makes His enemies His footstool. Psalms 110.1. Psalms 110.1 is unfolded. The New Testament is all about the fulfilling of this Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 24, Revelation 4. That God hath appointed a day, and I believe that we're in that specific short span of time now, after the seven joints, after the fulfillment or the perfection has come, and it has come, 
There's no more parts. There's not another revival. There's not another confession coming. What's here is here. That's it. Let him that's filled to be filled to steal. He that's rise to be rise to steal. We come to the end. Well, then what are we waiting for, Brother Gray? We're waiting for the fulfillment of the Scripture that your faith and revelation comes out of your mouth. And my job every Sunday morning is to remind you of the confession that's got to come out of your mouth so the dead can come out of the grave so he can take us up to meet our Lord in the air. Jesus is not coming down here to earth in a physical body to catch us out of here. God himself has promised to present his son with a bride, and he is here as the father doing exactly what he told his son he'd do. And that God told us that we were the sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ, that there was no sin laid to our charge, period. I get excited, and my blood pressure goes up or down. I can't figure out which one it is, but. That God hath appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom He hath ordained, that is Jesus Christ. That the end cometh when He, that's Jesus the Son now, shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. Then shall the Son also Himself be subject unto Him. Church, you can't, you've got to be beyond grade two. Not to understand that we're talking about a father and a son. It can't be that complicated. But it's seemingly that it is. I heard and listened to the debate on the Godhead. Is Jesus God all that the Trinitarian gospel? By four of the leading scholars of the world. Two of them was Jewish, the other was Protestant, but they're the, supposed to be the most renowned scholars of Scripture, and they debated back and forth. One, two, three, you, they couldn't figure out who was who and where's where and what's what. Well, how did the debate end? The oneness was oneness, and the Trinity was still Trinity. Why? There's no changing of the mind. Do you realize that this world now set on its course? Fulfilling the Romans chapter 1. The decay of humanity by homosexual lifestyles, according to the Apostle Paul, will rotten out humanity and bring it down to total corruption and rottenness of the bone. Read it for yourself. Homosexuality started in Brother Brown's ministry because he had two homosexuals making the tapes. He said, how come he didn't get rid of them? Because it's written in the prayer book or the prophecy book. Leave them alone. They will go in false doctrine and destroy themselves. It's amazing how false doctrine always precedes era or that lifestyle. Man is totally corrupt. We're right back to natural brute beast. Like Brother Branham said, every animal has its own characteristics. They do their own things. Birds fly with birds. Ducks fly with ducks. And eagles fly with eagles. But this mixture, with men to men, women to women, that mixture is 
beyond animal. I only speak of that as a condition that we're in. I told my wife all along for the last six months or a year, we'll wait and see if it comes to pass or not, that the Democrats, whoever they put in, Biden, whoever they put in, if they put in a man, Biden or Blumenthal or whatever, Hillary will be the vice president. I figured it would be Biden because he don't have much longer to go. He's got brain tumor. He's got something wrong with him. And he only run as a front. If Biden wins, I hope he does, they'll put in Hillary. If Blumenthal runs, whatever that guy's name is, he's a sharper. What is his name? Bloomberg or whatever his name is. It was a governor of New York up there or whatever. He's smarter, richer, and everything else. He's already made an announcement that he may choose Hillary as his running mate. If that's the case, it's done. Because they will win the election. There will be a woman in charge. Scripture is fulfilling. The rapture of the squeeze is coming. It's already come spiritually. We cannot have any fellowship. We are separated from every church simply because they believe that I believe in two gods. That's the reason why you're not considered in the message. If you go anywhere, they'll accept you until you say, well, I go to Brother Gregory's church. Uh-oh, you're done, finished, gone. Oh, that's a guy that believes in two gods, isn't it? Oh, he preaches that Perusia junk. Whoever tells you that, I don't care how saintly they are, they may have a halo over their head, but they're of the devil. It's contrary to the message of this hour and contrary to the Scriptures. Now, we should not feel isolated. We should feel almost a little spiritual, hallelujah, look who I am. Because the prophet told you all along, this is not for everybody. This is only for the elected bride of Christ. Somebody say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. This is only for a unique few that will simply believe it. We don't have to produce nothing. Matter of fact, the more we try to produce, the worse off we're going to get. We have arrived. There's not one thing that we need to do. We are sealed in. We are waiting for the hat to be put on the table. We're waiting for Russia to be put over here. We're waiting for a woman president. We're waiting for a pope to come out of America. And when that happens, boom, we're gone out of here. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We don't have to produce one more thing. We sit and we rejoice and we let the testimony come out of our mouth that we are the bride of Christ. When you see me, you see the Word in flesh. Now, don't go around a bunch of Baptists or liberals or Democrats and say that. Because they'll slap you upside the head to prove that you've got to turn the other cheek and they'll slap you again. But it doesn't say nothing after that second slap. The Bible doesn't say what to do after that. If I can survive the first two slaps, praise God, I hope I've got something in my hand if I wake up. 
What are you speaking of in the New Testament when you speak about the physical return of Jesus the man? When Jesus comes back, remember, always keep in mind, when Jesus the man comes back to earth, you and I will come back with him. All right, now he's up there. So if I got to come back with him, I got to get up there with him to come back with him. Now that's the mystery. <laughs> if he don't come down here and pick me up and take me back up to bring me back down, I'm not going to make it. Oh, no, no. Somebody come down here. Shook your brain in the bell a little bit. Got your attention. Called you out of unbelief. Called you out of the system. Called you out of sin. Revealed himself to you. Because a new birth is a revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. In other words, do you have an understanding that God Himself is in you and you are a dual person walking around here in shoe leather? You are deity in flesh. The same as Jesus was in the major, you're in the just a little tiny form of it. Seed. Okay, let's look at this glorified man now. How many believes that Jesus died? Say amen. He did. Now, God can't die, so this man, God died vicariously through this man, through his blood. What more? We understand that. They put his body, they wrapped his body up like a mummy, mixed it with some kind of resin or whatever they mixed it with in that day, made it almost like a cast on your leg, hard as a brick, and you had to saw it to get it off. So they wrapped his body up and laid a napkin over his head, put his body in the tomb, put a rock in front of it. You can tell they didn't really believe because they put two guards out there to guard that rock. Why in the world, if you got a wrapped up mummy encased in cement, carried him, put him in there, laid him on a rock, why would you have to put two guards to guard that rock? Because they had heard a confession, a rumor, that in two days he was going to come out of there and they was going to make sure that rock held him there to annul their confession. That's what they're trying to do to you and I, my confession. I don't care how many rocks you put in front of this confession. I don't care how many devils you put guarding the door. I don't care how many rumors you call that we're off the word and off the word. This confession is going to bring a resurrection. Destroy this body and in two days I will raise it up myself. That was his confession. In the book of Acts, you will look here. One, it's all right if I take my time. We will not get very far, but that's all right. Acts 1.11, which also he said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye, ye gazing up into heaven? Now here's the same Jesus that had already went to heaven. Don't touch me. I had not yet ascended to the Father. Talking to Mary at the tomb. He's ascending. Now he's already come back. He's went up and he's come back. To me, if he goes up and comes back, that would be a coming of the Lord. That would be a literal coming. If his body went up and his body come down, that's one coming. 
Then here we see this body going back up. Now, can you imagine how you, just put yourself in the Bible. You're seeing a glorified, physical form man. And he's talking to you. And he begins to lift. Ooh. I, I, Hammy would have a cold chill go, ooh, I feel it. Glory to God. You'd be Pentecostal just like that. I'd probably even speak in tongues. I'd be so excited. But every eye stood there and watched, and he began to rise up. And it says that he was received in a cloud and was hidden from their view. Now, before we go any further, and this ought to tell you clearly, what was the cloud? Was it a cloud like the clouds in the sky? The Bible said it was a cloud of witnesses. It was the Old Testament saints that he was leading. Open up your gates because the kingdom of heaven or king of kings is here. That cloud was the cloud of resurrected, physical, glorified Old Testament saints. So the point I want you to see, and I'll get to it again in just a few minutes and repeat it. Here the physical man, Jesus, ascends up with a physical group of people. And in Revelation 19, we see him coming back physical with a physical group of people. Because Alpha is Omega. If he goes away with a group of people, he's got to come back with a group of people. Now, that's the physical a rapture of Jesus right there. Because he said, watch, why are you standing gazing up in heaven? This same Jesus. Now, the same Jesus to me would mean the same glorified physical man with scars in his hand, pierced in his side, the same physical being without blood, glorified spirit and blood. That same Jesus is the same Jesus. He did not evaporate when he went to heaven. You can tell I'm getting old because I repeat myself. When we went to the minister meeting in Canada, Doug, you was there. The whole squabble, they put a guard on me to watch me the rest of the time. When I simply asked a group of preachers, where do you think Jesus is right now? Where is Jesus in? You're the fivefold minister. You're getting the bride ready for a rapture. Then tell me, where is Jesus Christ now? One of them said, well, he evaporated. Whew. Man, that was a stretch. I don't know where he got that. Whew. He evaporated. The other guy said, no, nah, he didn't evaporate. He, he, he's, his shell is laying on, he's, he's comatose. His, his shell is laying up there. I said, his shell? Yeah, I see, because he was God, and he just laid the shell there as a memorial, uh, and he'll go and pick it up back up. I said, oh, I see, just the shell. One's evaporating, one's a shell. I said, man, I'm glad we got a shell for a mediator. I got an empty shell that I'm praying to that's supposed to mediate between me and, and God, and he's just an empty shell, nothing in that shell. No wonder you're not getting no prayers answered. Because there's nobody in that shell to listen to intercede to the Father. Come on, church, you have a little common sense. If I got a mediator, I got somebody that's alive, can listen and talk for me. Praise be to God. I'm glad I got a mediator between God and man. Why do I need one? Why do I need one? 
Because they blinded Jews over there a long time ago up on the mountain. When God come down to talk to them face to face, a pillar of fire to them personally, they got afraid. They shook in their boots. And they said, oh, Moses, oh, Moses, uh, tell God not to speak to us. Uh, t- talk to you and you come down and tell us what he said. God said, you know what, that sounds pretty good to me. From henceforth, I will not speak to the people face to face. I will speak to a prophet, and a prophet will speak to the people for me. And that's the way it's been ever since. And that's the way that it's been in this hour, and that's the way it will always remain. You'll never see God. You'll only see Him speak to you through a human vessel. You say, well, that's kind of confusing. It's a mystery. Yeah, it's a mystery. The same Jesus which, ha- which is taken up from, uh, from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go to heaven. Now, that's the physical resurrected man. Amy would agree with me there. Okay, just simple. The other scripture, speaking of the physical return, is Revelation 1-7. Behold, he... Cometh with clouds. Now he, when he went up, was received in a cloud. Now this same he, when he's supposed to come back, comes back with clouds. If these clouds that took him up, is the Old Testament saints, wonder what the cloud is that brings him back. (laughs) Everybody say, me. And you better learn how to ride a horse. I was so carnal. I thought, I'm afraid of riding the horses, so I better get me some horses and get over this fear because I'm going to come back riding on a white horse, and i got to be able to wield a sword when I come back. So i got some horses and learn how to ride. Now, that's about as carnal as the Pentecostals can get. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard being a Pentecostal. Because you've got to work yourself to death. You've got to do everything. Man, God, you just got to almost die to stay alive. He's going to come back. With, he cometh with clouds. All right, all right, now, this is an arrival. That word cometh there is not perusia. It's actually the word over here. I think I've got it in, in the Bible, if, I'm, if I can get to it quickly. I didn't know I put that many notes. It's what they call hiko, H-E-K-O. This word stretches the point of arrival at a certain place as I am come and I am here. Watch, hold fast till I come to you, Revelation 2.25. So this scripture implies an arrival Behold, he cometh with clouds. Now, that's the Son of God. That's Jesus, the glorified man. And every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, which will be the Jews, Israel. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. That's the Gentiles. Even so, amen. Every eye on earth is going to see him come in clouds. That's you and I. And we're going to come with fire in our eyes and a sword in our hand. 
We're going to crown with many crowns, and we're going to come with the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And we're going to wipe out everyone here on earth that did not hold too fast to the confession that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Because Revelation 19 is speaking one more scripture of the physical return, which is basically talking about Revelation 1 7. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he, that's the same glorified Christ, that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as flame as a fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies which are in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, as you and I, who washed their robes and have access to the physical city. Watch. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that's the word of God, a confession, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings. In other words, he's king of King David, he's king of King Solomon, he's king of all the kings. And he is Lord, master of lords. Abraham was called Lord, all the old patriarchs were called Lord of the house. So he is Lord of all lords. So when we talk about the physical presence of Jesus Christ, boy, that time moves by fast. Isn't that wonderful? We noted that he went up with the physical bride of the Old Testament. How many will agree with that? Kind of mentally saying. He went up with the Old Testament saved because he led captivity captive. He went up with a physical glorified group of people. Now why are you saying this, Brother Greg? Because Alpha is Omega. What he done once, he'll do again. So these glorified physical beings was around the glorified resurrected Jesus when he went up. Now the only three scriptures that speaks of him coming back is Revelation 1-7 and Revelation chapter 19. When he comes back with clouds, which is the New Testament saints called the bride, the armies of heaven. I don't know whether the Old Testament saints will come back or not. I just don't know. But I know the New Testament saints will. He comes back in clouds. In other words, he'll have physical glorified beings around him at his second coming. He went up with a group of physical people. He'll come back at his second coming with a physical group of people. The physical group took up was the Old Testament saints. The physical group he brings back is the resurrected saints of the New Testament through seven church age, 2,000 years, and us also that were changed. So we're up here with him some way, and we come back with him, and every eye shall see him, and we'll come back in wrath and judgment. We do not find where he comes down here to earth and picks us up physically. Because he went up physically with Old Testament saints. And I'm repeating it again. He comes back physically. So the mystery of this hour is that we have better get up there with him. 
to be able to come back with him. You're not looking for the coming of the Lord. If you are, you're on the wrong side of the issue. You have to have a revelation to get you up there to come back with him. And that's what this message is all about. That's what the presence, the message he is here, Brother Brown's message was the perusia of Christ. He is here. He is present in the church. Who is the he, which Lord of the Lord said to my Lord, is he speaking of? And we understand here we find in the statue of a perfect man. I don't know, Dave, you want to put the quote up there or not. Watch. And in the evening time it shall be light. To me, he's telling at the evening time a light will be here. Because without the pillar of fire, which is light, a light, which is revelation, there would not be any light or revelation. And that is the spirit of wisdom revelation of Ephesians chapter 1. Remember now, because Paul prays now, you pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come to you, which is this light, to give you a knowledge of himself, which is a knowledge of the person of God. The paradox of this subject is what? Jesus, the Son of God, come forth to reveal the invisible Father. Now the invisible Father comes forth to reveal the physical Son. Can we go over that again? The physical Son come forth to reveal the invisible Father. Because He's built in the very image and expression of Almighty God. When you see me, you see the Father. Now the Father comes down and through a prophet, He reveals the Son of Man, which was Jesus, the physical Son of God. Brother Brown was asked, are you the Son of Man? No. Is the pillar of fire the Son of Man? No. The pillar of fire here, which is God, the Holy Spirit, is here revealing Jesus, the Son of Man, through a prophet, a Son of Man. And the revelation of Jesus, the Son of Man, is what you and I are to receive to be able to be able to confess Him as Lord. A man, our brother, our redeemer, our sacrifice, our price paid, heir of half of the Father's kingdom. We are joint heirs with him, making up the family of sons. I wish all the old people would study the scripture, you know what, and understand that basically the, not the baby gets Half are all the inheritance. The elder son gets half of the father's kingdom. That's the law of inheritance. And every time, Christians will do just the opposite. They give it all to the baby and let the old ones defend for themselves. And glory to God, hallelujah, all the time. Jesus was our elder brother. And Philippians said he did not think it robbery to be equal with God. And the equality there was not in substance or being deity. It was 
equality in the kingdom. He got half of the Father's kingdom as his inheritance. We are joint heirs with Christ. Heirs of God, but joint heirs with Christ. He got half, and Jesus lets this in on his half. You might get an acre. You might even get 10 acres. It should be enough to go around and give all of us 100 acres in the millennium. But you know what? I like acres now, but I, won't, I, don't, want, I don't want a lot of acres in the millennium. I'm kind of lazy. Follow me now. Because I'm going to have to renovate the earth. I'm going to have to remove the atomic fodder, bury the dead, clean up the ashes, remove the logs, tear down the cities. If I had 100 acres, I'd spend 1,000 years just cleaning up my 40 acres to get it ready to live on. So, Lord, just give me an acre in the kingdom down by a river. What more so I don't have to pump water. And I'll just sing like Brother Brian, amazing grace for a thousand years. And then I'll go to my mansion. People say, I don't like to work. Then you won't want to be in the millennium. You don't want to be in the millennium. Because we're going to work. Now, I'll grant it you, it won't be maybe as hard on us as in the physical bodies now. When I rake leaves from about here to that wall, every time I get there, <laughs> I'll have a glorified body where I can just rake and 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 help you rake and everybody rakes, rakes, rakes. You say, oh, it won't be like that. Well, then you tell me how it's going to be like and we'll both know. Brother Bam said, now watch. I've got to get up there with him. All right, he says this, uh, and in the evening time it shall be light. Now I'm running out of time. What? Now we know there's no life without light, so there's no tree of life, no revelation of God without light. No, no access to the tree of life without this light. Because this life is the book of life, manifesting now, feeding on the book or the tree of life. See, that's when Christ, watch now, the Holy Spirit, Jesus comes down and sets Himself at the head of the church then. You don't think that prophet puts paradoxes and throws curves in your mind that if you don't understand the doctrine, you'll be a oneness just as sure as your finger is one. That Jesus there is not the physical Jesus sitting on the throne up here. The Jesus he's talking about is this light or the pillar of fire that come into his little cabin when he was born. That light appeared over his cradle. I can say by record that was the perusia of Christ, the Holy Spirit, in the form of a pillar of fire. So he was here all that time until 1933, that same light appeared to many people. And I believe Brother Brown was the only one to hear the voice. Like Paul, some seen the light, some heard the voice, some heard the voice, didn't see the light, vice versa. Sister Mita said she heard the voice. And she said, Bill, the voice was your, your voice. 
But in 1933, there was a, an arrival or an appearing of this light. Now to the public, with a commission to take this gospel that I am here around the world. Hallelujah. What a time, what a time, what a time. Now just think all of that's over. Watch. A statue of a perfect man. So Brother Bram tells us, in the even time it shall be light. That's when Christ, the Holy Spirit. Now he does not say the physical body now. Here's where the problem in the message. They confuse the physical body with this pillar of fire or the Holy Spirit. And both of them are called Jesus. What is the name Jesus? I mean, Jehovah Savior. Who is your true Savior? God. God is our Savior. He had to have a sacrifice, so therefore he created Jesus. Vicariously, he served up his only begotten Son as the sacrifice. Through his blood, it was accounted to us. God is our Savior. Without God creating a body that was acceptable to himself, there wouldn't be no salvation. But you can't make it one like your finger and say, oh, God done this, God done that, and God done that. It's God all with it. There's only one God true, but there's a unique son in here that gets preeminence over the family of God. He does not say the physical body is here. He says Christ, the Holy Spirit, is here, Jesus. And when he comes, now watch. When he comes, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, that is in the reference to the pillar of fire, not the physical man, Jesus, nor the flesh. He's talking about the arrival of the pillar of fire as Paul said, Who art thou, Lord? And that pillar of fire said, I am Jesus. How many is following me this morning? Are you, are you? Always remember the physical coming of Jesus that most world people are preaching and looking for will not happen. Until we go up there and come back with him, if we make it at all. Now, if you're a foolish virgin, I'm a foolish virgin, or make believe, whatever we are, we'll die in the purging, three and a half years, tribulation, we'll be cleaned up. And whoever was in that resurrected group that we missed going up, they will come back with him, and that's the second coming of Jesus Christ. So until two prophets, Moses and Elijah, appear to Israel, call out 144,000 out of the two or three million there, you will never see a physical return of Jesus Christ outside the form of a prophet. Now and today it's outside the form of a fivefold ministry and the bride of Christ. Because as the revelation unfolds, the form changes also. Now, I'm going to go through one thing that will help you here. I give you, what, uh, 14. Now, pay real close attention here, and this will help you. Here's where I started way back there in, in 82, 83, somewhere way back there. I give you about 10 or 12 interpretations of Psalms 110.1. We'll just read a few of them, and I want you to see the picture. King James, this is one that everybody reads, and this is where the problem comes from. The Lord said unto my Lord, looks like exactly two lords, two gods, whatever more. Because if the first Lord is God, the second Lord uh, should be God. But if you'll notice the term, the Lord, that's a title. And my Lord is a title. The Lord and my Lord. Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Okay, authorized version. 
Jehovah said unto my Lord. Now Jehovah is God, so God said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Amplified version. The Lord, the prince his father, says to my Lord, the Messiah, his son, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet, subjugating them unto a complete uh, submission. That's 1 Corinthians 15 that we read a while ago. Amplified. The Lord God says to my Lord, the Messiah, sit at my right hand until I make your adversaries your footstool. You can just keep reading every one of them. Down here, one, Adonai says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make thy enemies a footstool. You've got a God speaking to one unique man called the Son of God. Without that basic revelation, you're not going to get anywhere in Christianity, New Testament, or the message. I would say it is impossible to understand the New Testament, and especially the gospel that Brother Branham brought, a revelation that took us back to the faith of the Apostle Paul. Without understanding there is one God who had one unique begotten Son. And he made that unique person, Jesus of Nazareth, Lord, Master, Head of the Church, Head of the Body, in the Millennium, and in the New Jerusalem. He gave him that title. And salvation is based today on that revelation and your confession of one God our Father, and one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in whom and by whom paid the price of my redemption, brought me back into fellowship into the family of God, and upon the confession by my mouth that He is Lord, I shall be saved. And by that faith I go to the water, and I am buried with him in water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. Because by this man only are there remission of sins. Hemi is following now. So salvation is simply in the ability. Those who are ordained to eternal life believes what? There is only one God. The great Elohim, self-existent one beside him, there is no other. The creator of all things. Who had one unique son. The Logos, the light in the beginning. Through that son, Christ the mystery of God revealed. Christ in the word. God in the anointing. Reconciling the whole world to himself. And that God is here. He has revealed Himself that He's here. Let's say this. The perusia has been proven. The presence has been proven. Brother Bam tells you over and over, there's a difference between the appearing and the coming of Jesus Christ. I've heard preachers read that quote and deny the perusia doctrine. I can't, I can't grasp it. How can you read a quote that there is a difference between the appearing and the word appearing there is a Greek word perusia, presence, unveiling of Christ, 
And the coming, which speaks of the physical second coming of Jesus the man, is two different words altogether. One, he says, I'll read it to you. One, he says, is going on now. That was way back here. What was it? I am not him, but he is standing among you. His shoes I'm not worthy to loosen. When he comes and makes himself known to us, which that's what he's doing right there. Watch. And today he is standing among us in the person of the Holy Ghost. Manifesting himself more and more. In other words, epiphania. Unveiling. These are Greek words he's using to preach you the message. Coming into his church. How does he come into his church? Brother Bam called it spiritual relationships. To impregnate us with a faith that he impregnated the first church with. Who failed in their confession. Brought in another Jesus. Brought in a Trinitarian gospel. Brought in idolatry. Brought in all these errors. Now that same God is here correcting the errors. Removing the creeds out of our hearts and minds. Taking preeminence in you by you hearing. And you confessing the word of God. Bringing your mind and your soul in line with his spirit. To give him preeminence in your heart that he can speak out of your mouth the one true God and the one Lord Jesus Christ to prove that you are a redeemed, manifested Son of God. There is no other proof you got outside of what comes out of your mouth. Condemnation and your justification comes out of your own mouth. A man is justified, made righteous. Or a man is condemned and sent to hell. By the words out of his own mouth. And how many millions this morning stood in all the churches? I watched them. Every lot was packed full of Trinitarian idolatrous worshiping the devil and don't even know it. You say, oh, you shouldn't be so mean. When in the world are we going to face reality? God is not this wishy-washy, I love everybody, glory to God, and pat you on the back and say, Oh, children, I don't care. You're ignorant. You're dumb. You can be an idol worship, and I'll save you anyhow. That's not the God that I know. This God says, I once winked at ignorance for 2,000 years. I winked at your ignorance. Now I'm standing here face-to-face -face with you. I've come down and talked to you mouth-to-ear. And I'm not going to take your ignorance no longer. I'm going to hear my word come out of your mouth to confirm your faith in what I told you. And if you'll confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I, God, your Father and His Father, raised Him from the dead for your righteousness, your justification, if you'll let that come out of your mouth, I will... Put place your standing before me as righteous. 
Glory to God. Just think, if you had no nothing to do with how you got here. And most of us didn't have really much to do with our conditions. We said, well, I decided to get drunk. I decided to smoke. I decided, ah, oh, yeah, did you really? Or was you influenced by something? If you had your own will, if you was in charge of your own body, what would you do and what can you do? Think about it. Somebody is in control of your body. Somebody is talking to your mind. I've asked you the question for about 30 years. Have you ever been able to shut off that little voice in your head? How many knows that little voice I'm talking about? Come on. Do you, you can be asleep and that voice is going on. You can be praying and there's a little voice up here. If that duality would stop and God had complete control without that duality, you would be deity in flesh. And you know what would come out of your mouth? Only the words that the Father put in it. Can sweet and bitter water come out of the same mouth? Well, it still is. <laughs> Coming out of the same fountain. But the sanctifier. The water purifier. You remember Elijah one time. He just. What did he do? Got a stick and throwed it in the water. And the water was drinkable. I'm talking about a power that you can throw an iron axe head in the water and it will float. I'm trying to get across to me and to you that deity sits right here in flesh. And once you, you and I recognize who we are as souls, our seed of God, let that word through our mind down here, this soul will take control of your spirit mind Thereby gain control of your body, and He will take us out of here to meet our Lord, Jesus, the glorified man that sits on the throne of our Father in heaven right now. He will step down and receive us as the Father leads a bride down the aisle. Here comes a bride, here comes a bride. In the old days, they said, here comes a groom, here comes a groom. We got to turn around. We have a wedding. We say, here comes the bride. Oh, the bride, the bride, the bride. In the Old Testament, it said, here comes the groom. Behold, the groom coming. The groom, the groom, the groom. The bride was shut over here in a tent. Nobody seen her. We got everything turned around. I'm not going to straighten everything out. But I know one thing. He's here. And that pillar of fire called Jesus, the Holy Ghost, the pillar of fire. He is here now, how can I use this word? With. With the word with. The word with, oh my. The word with doesn't mean I'm here and somebody's with me. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. That sounds like there's somebody there with somebody. Look up the word with. It means a spiritual union of intercourse, a mixture of oneness. A marriage. A light whirling, alive. 
So we are now one with the revealed Word of God. Where is the revealed Word of God? It's not out here and I'm here. It's we have been pregnated. I don't know how to put that. We have been pregnated with the very life and the revelation of Jesus Christ Himself. Amen. Let's stand this morning, would you? Look over the notes. Like I said, I went into the weeds a little bit. But they're essential and they'll give you a testimony or understanding of what we're looking at in this hour. Because I am not looking for Jesus, a physical man, to come. I'm looking at the one that is here that, that he will increase in me. Like the prophet said, I've got to decrease, get out of the way that he that's here doing all this must increase to you. So he can take us all to the wedding supper of the Lamb. So we're not looking for Jesus to come. We're looking for the glory of the one that's here. Beginning to outray himself in his body called the bride of Christ. We will say one day, when you see me, you see the word. And it will only come about by the confession out of your mouth. Let's get back to the faith that was once delivered to the saints. One God, who is spirit, and one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, our brother, our King, our Lord. Like letters, what's the little L-O-R-D? That's how he distinguished the two lords of Psalms 110.1. You say, oh, it's a mystery. It's not a mystery. It's simply taking what your scripture tells you. It's not a mystery to it at all. It's not even hard to understand. But remember, there is only one God. And Jesus, the Son of God, who had a father, and he had the same God that you've got, and the same father that you've got is our father. His father is the same. Amen. All right. Keep repeating it over and over and over. This is good. Amen. This is the only revelation and confession that will get you out of this hour. And it's the only one that can save you. you say, oh, I don't believe that. That's all right. It's as simple as that. I told you this morning. It's that simple. Now, if you've got a, enough gumption to believe it and confess it, then what happen, watch what happens to your life. Amen. What are we going to say, Bernie? That sounds like a good one. We've come a long way, right? We've been waiting quite a while. I don't know what we're waiting on as far as the church world is concerned because everything that we need has already arrived and is here. We should be rejoicing because of who we are and God has allowed us to understand who we are. We're rejoicing over something that they're looking for and we got it. I got it. Like we saw, I've got it. I've got it. But they don't know what they got and they don't know what to do with it. I always say in that song, I've got it. You know what I believe? I've got a soul that come from God. Are you led by the Spirit, Brother Greg? I'm led by my soul in me that talks to my spirit up here. Are you full of the Holy Ghost? Yes. My soul has received the fullness of the revelation of the Word in this hour, making that which is perfect has come. And we put away the parts 
because they've all passed away and been fulfilled. They don't even, not even the picture anymore. Well, I'm not going to walk away. I've got too much at stake. I've come too far to turn back now. This old cross fell for Well, I'm not gonna walk away. I've got too much at stake. I've come too far to turn back now. I have fought will soon. Oh, before God, I'm hanging this old cross and corner. Sing it one more time. I've got. that this morning. Well, I'm not I've come too far to turn back now. Turn around and shake hands with somebody once again and tell them now, I'm not going to turn around. to God. Amen. Uh, must Jesus bear his cross alone? Is that the name we're looking at? Jesus bear his cross alone? Is that the one we sing? Take up the cross? Yeah, let's sing it. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. How many willing to do that this morning? I found a duality going on in my mind that I would like to get out of here but I don't want to vote for Hillary. I'm not prejudiced, but I just don't really like the Democrats. That spirit. Would you believe that over half the people in the message are Democrats? 
Boy, got awful quiet. Am I talking to a bunch of Democrats this morning? There's a brother in this message called me from California. I think he's, he's probably listening today. I think he's a wonderful brother. He always said, oh, are you still a Democrat or are you still a Trump fan? So he was for Hillary. He's a Democrat liberal. And I said, you can't even be a Christian and be a Democrat. What are you saying? Well, well I got the Holy Ghost. I'm predestinated. I'm sitting on and on and on and on. I said, you can't even be born again and be a Democrat. Oh, he said, I love you anyway. I said, I love you too. That's the reason I'm trying to get you converted. But there's nothing going to stop the Word of God from being fulfilled. We want to go into rapture, but we've got a squeeze coming. We've got hard times coming. Your faith and my faith is going to be squeezed down to where if God is the only thing left there, and I believe when it gets right down to when you open your mouth, nothing will come out except the right confession. Something will hold you. You wait and see. Something will hold you. And all your fear and all your apprehension, and, oh, I don't have no money, all the lights go out. But something will hold you that God is God. And I got a promise. You will never leave me nor forsake me. And you told me that when you leave here, you will take me with you. I believe that. I'm going to hold that confession before God. When you leave, Lord, you promise to take me with you. So as long as I'm here, I know that you're here. But don't you think it's about time to lift us out of here? He said, no, I just wait just a little. It's just not quite ready yet. I hadn't squeezed you enough yet. So why do you think the squeeze has to come? Why did the prophet say there's a squeeze coming? Who's the squeeze going to benefit? The bride. Because it's going to squeeze us down to where we get our mind and our attention on one thing. And that's God. Money will go. Everything will collapse around you. And without that dual personality in you, that God in you, that soul in you, you're going to be all alone. But I believe that's when you'll see the outring of the power and the glory of God that is deposited in your soul right now begin to come through like the light coming from the body of Jesus until that light superseded the midday sun. It was so bright. That power and that light was in him while he was standing there, unmanifested to anyone. In a measure, he said, in that hour we'll be glorified in his saints. He is in us. That pillar of fire is in us now in a form. The Logos of God is in you now, making you a small Logos of that pillar of fire. On the day of Pentecost, when that low God separated and just little licks of fire, little licks like a tongue of fire, that was a little bitty Logos set upon each one and remained. That lick is in you now. And there's enough power in there to speak a world and go live on it. 
So we got a little more pressure going, but that confession will hold true. God, you're the only true God. Your word is perfect. I'll put this Bible in my mouth and I will not confess nothing short of the living word of God. You promised to take me up to my bridegroom. So be it unto me according to your word. We've got just a little while longer, just a few years, and we'll meet the Lord Jesus in the air at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Don't you believe that? Take up your cross.